Thank you, Pastor Matt. Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing this morning? Good, 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 good. If you haven't noticed yet, Pastor Chris is not here. So I drew the short straw. It's my turn to preach. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm happy to be able to preach today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Paul Diaz. I'm another one of the staff pastors here at Family Life. And we're just excited to have you all here. We firmly, strongly believe that there is hope for every life here at Family Life. And that's just kind of what we live by. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you've done this morning. You might have gotten into a big fight with your wife this morning before you came here. Doesn't matter. There's hope for you. God loves you. Somebody's laughing. I think it might have happened to someone over here. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to be able to preach today. I, 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 I'm disappointed. I, I like when Pastor Chris preaches. He's a great preacher, isn't he? And uh, hopefully you're not too disappointed. But uh, I, I do have more hair than him. I, I think my beard's a lot nicer than his. And so I can say that because the COO isn't here this morning. So... <laughs> But God is good, amen? amen? One of the things I do here is I'm primarily in charge of leading, leading our worship team, and, and um, I have a great team to work with. I just, I can't, I can't stress enough to you how, how God has just kind of gelled us and brought us. We are truly like one unit right now. I, I, I can't think of another time in the history of our, uh, that I've led this, this team that we've been closer than we are right now. We are truly just like one unit. And I just felt like God wanted me to talk about praise today. Um, I preached last summer and I talked a little bit about it then. And I just feel like there's more to kind of pull out in, in the Bible about, about praise. And I want to talk specifically about some of the benefits of praise and, how, and how, how to express praise. What does that look like in our church and what does that look like for us? So that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to start in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And let's just read the word of God this morning. Even though the fig tree have no, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and he and the fields, I need new glasses. <laughs> And the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. And so I just want to start as, as one of the benefits of, of praise. I see from this, from this verse that it just kind of praise just kind of recenters us. It kind of, it kind of gets our focus off of maybe some of the problems that we're having in life. And it, and it allows us to refocus on God. And that's exactly what Habakkuk was doing here. I want you to realize that, that when Habakkuk prophesied, he, he, most theologians agree that he lived during one of the greatest times of revival that Judah experienced. He lived uh, under the reign of King Hosea. Under, his, under Hosea's reign, there, there, was a, there was this massive revival that took place. And things were just great. You know, people were coming back to God and, and serving and worshiping God. And he witnessed all that. And then he saw it kind of demise over, over his time. He's seen, he seen Judah kind of turn, turn its back from the Lord again. And he's having these conversations with God. You can read it in Habakkuk about how he knew that judgment was coming upon Judah. And this had to be a painful thing for him. This had to be hard to watch for him. 
He's, he's, he's seen this great time of revival, and now he's watching it all kind of kind of fade away, and, and it's going to nothing. And, and, he's, and, he's, and he's saying, look, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, even all these, though the we're headed for some rough times, I'm going to still be joyful in the God of my salvation. I'm still going to praise him. You see, see, praise, it makes our shift go back to God. It shifts us back to him. And that's one of the beautiful benefits of, of praise. We can refocus what, what we do have. We can refocus on God. Notice that we still have fig trees. They're still there. They're going to bloom again. They're going to blossom again. God didn't wipe them away. We still have all of We still have vines. They just didn't make a crop this year. But guess what? They're going to, they're going to bloom again. We still have barns. We don't have any cattle, but we still have the barns, and we still have a God who's able to, to restore. We have a God who's able to put back what was taken away, and it shifts our focus back to what God can do instead of what we're dealing with at the moment. Another thing that praise does, and we see this in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. I'll just read it. It's a short verse. It says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy. Another one of the benefits of, of praise is that we get spiritually re- refreshed. You know, we can, we can sit in his presence and there's, joy, there's an endless amount of joy in his presence. And we can take part of that and we can, we can just eat it up. You know, it, it refreshes our souls. It refreshes our spirits. It makes us new again. It refreshes. Another thing that praise does is it invites his presence. There's another great benefit Psalm 22, verse 3 says, He is enthroned on the praises of His people. I'm going to read that again. Psalm 22, 3 says, He is enthroned on the praises of His people. Imagine us all together just praising Him. And God is enthroned. He, I mean, he's just, he's just sucking in our praise. He's, and, and I just kind of envision that we're just making this throne bigger as we, as we praise and worship together. It's just making him even more big as if that's somehow possible. But it, it's just how my mind can kind of wrap around it. You know, we're, we're making him bigger and we become smaller. And so it just, his presence just gets bigger and bigger. And then one other benefit is that it's a way for God to move. It's a weapon for us. You know, the more we praise, as we begin to praise, it's a weapon. It's a spiritual weapon that we have. You know, we look at the story of Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament and how, you know, he, he got word that these armies were, were joining up and they were coming to, to battle against Judah. And he calls all the people together and he has this big prayer, you know, time of prayer and fasting. And God, God speaks to the people and he says, you guys are going to defeat this army. You just need to trust me. It's going to happen. And so Jehoshaphat gathers his army together and he sends, instead of his soldiers out first, what does he send out first? He sends the musicians and singers. And they begin to sing. And the armies that they're getting ready to battle, they, instead of battling Judah, they turn against each other. And by the time Judah reaches the, the battlegrounds, these, these armies have defeated, they're, they're done. You know, they just killed each other. They didn't even have to raise a sword. They just went in and took all the plunder. That's what praise does. It unleashes, it unleashes power. It unleashes those things that are coming against us in the Spirit. Paul and Silas in the New Testament, you know, they found themselves in jail. They, all they were doing was just following God, doing what God asked them to do. They find themselves in jail. And before they know it, you know, they're beaten and whipped and in a stinky jail. And, and around midnight, the Bible says they began to praise God. They began to sing songs 
and the earth shook and the jail cells opened and God opened the doors for them to, to escape. And, and, and they actually went into the jailer's home and the whole, his whole family received the Lord. I mean, God is amazing. He can do amazing things as we begin to praise Him, as we just press in and become people of praise. And I wanted to shift our focus just a little bit now to how, how do we express praise? How, how should, what does it look like? How should we do it? And I think, first of all, we should know that it needs to be done wholeheartedly. Like it, it is something that it should just be kind of like in our DNA. You know, it should just be something that, that we want to make part of our lives. You know, Pastor Chris preached a great series about the best year ever, you know. And, and I can see how we can weave praise into all those things that he talked about. We can weave praise into, into, the, into our Sabbath, that our days of rest. We can weave, praise should be a part of that. We can weave praise into, certainly as we gather together as a tribe, you know, praise should be a big part of what we do. It should be a gigantic part of what we do. Praise should be given as we, as, as we give back our offerings. We should be praising God that He provides jobs for us, that He, that he opens up employment for us, that we can give back to Him. And we can praise God as He puts that purpose in our lives to, to go forward and, and bring the gospel out to the world. And so praise should be just that dynamic thing in us. It should just be like one of the most basic parts of our DNA. It should be something that we do every day and seek to do and just press into His presence and tell Him how great He is. Praise should also be done enthusiastically. Enthusiastically. I want to look at Psalms. Chapter 95, verses 1 through 3. I think it's there, yeah. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Listen to this. Come, let us sing to the Lord. That's part of it. We love to sing. We love to praise. Then it says this. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody says shout, it should be loud, right? It should kind of like blow the roof off the place. Let's shout joyfully to the Lord. Let's do it. Let's do this to the rock of our salvation. Let's let it rip. Let's have some enthusiasm when we do this. It shouldn't be like, oh, we can get to sing another song. Let's get through, let's get through the next one. Okay, is this one going to be over yet? There's not a whole lot of enthusiasm there, right? But we should be, there should be that fire in us. There should be that fire in us that says, man, I want to do that. I, wanna, I just want to tell God how great he is. I want to come to him with thanksgiving. I want to sing psalms of praise to him for the Lord is a great God. He's a great king above all gods. Amen. Amen. He deserves our praise. It should be a celebration. It should be a time of celebration. It should be a time where we're, we can't wait to do this, man. We, you know, Pastor Chris challenges us almost every week that we're not worship leaders. We're lead worshipers. Like we get to do this like let's do it let's do it with all we have let's do it with all that's in us let's not hold back and i think we we kind of we kind of get conscious about ourselves we kind i think i think this is a big hindrance to praise i think we kind of get conscious self-conscious we kind of wonder well okay well if i really do this what is the guy at the end of the pew who looks like he's been sucking on pickle juice all morning. What's he going to do when I start to, you know, really get it? What's he going to do when I put my hands up? And we start to wonder, we start to think, okay, 
How's this going to make me look? And I think it's a hindrance. I think it's a real hindrance. And I want to look this morning at a couple of uh, places in Scripture where, where, where two people said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going for it. And the first one is King David. We're going to look at King David and what he did. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'll be reading. I'll just kind of set up the story. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant was not in Jerusalem at the time. And, and David's desire was to bring this Ark back to Jerusalem. And this was a big task. I mean, the Ark is a big deal. This is where the presence of the Lord is. Um, and, and, and they want it. They want it back. David wants it back in Jerusalem. And so they're on, their, they're on this journey. They start to bring the ark back, and they, they run into some difficulties. They go back, and they try it again, and they're on their way back, and they finally, they finally bring it back to Jerusalem, and David is just overjoyed. And he kind of makes a fool out of himself as he begins to praise God. And so I'm going to read. Do you have that up there, Cher? Yeah. 2 Samuel 14 through 20. And, David, and this, is, this is David. David danced before the Lord with all his might. Say, all his might. Wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy. It sounds pretty enthusiastic, right? Shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, this is, this is David's wife, the daughter of Saul looked down from her window when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She was filled with contempt for him. How many of you dance in front of your wife and she just goes, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> How many of you have seen Dawn on Facebook? Yeah. Dawn was trying to do a moonwalk and his wife was, yeah, she put it on Facebook. Yeah. She loves him. But David is dancing. He doesn't care. And they brought, and they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And when he had finished this sacrifice, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins, and all the people returned to their homes. And when David, listen to this, when David returned to home to bless his own family, his wife Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him, and she is pretty upset. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. She's mad. She's upset. She doesn't see how he could do this. How can he make a fool out of himself this way? There are some people who argue that he might have taken all his clothes off. I don't see that in Scripture. But he certainly wasn't acting very kingly. And McCall came from royalty. Her dad was the king. She knew how kings were supposed to act. And David said, I don't care. God's presence is here. I'll make a bigger fool out of myself. I could care less what anybody thinks, even my own wife. I'm going to praise my God because He's worthy. I'm just going to go for it. I don't care. I'm going to be God-conscious about it. I'm not going to be self-conscious. And that's what it takes to be a true worshiper. I'm telling you, you can't worry about what anybody thinks about you. If you feel an urge to just lift your hands, lift them up. 
you feel an urge to just exhort God, do it. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Go for it. God put that in your heart. Respond to it. Live it out. Be a worshiper. Are you willing to look foolish? It's a good question. And there's another story. And Luke, my, uh, before I move on, my wife wanted me to dance. And I'm not going to. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's ugly. No. There. That's it. Yeah. All right, that's it. I'm done. Ralph dancing. Has anybody ever watched Ralph? I love Ralph. Ralph, Ralph, stand up, man. I don't, I don't mean, I don't want to embarrass him. But when, when, we, when we praise and worship, I, Ralph, Ralph is back here. He's all the way in the back, and he's just dancing before the Lord. I, I don't know if you've ever known. I, I don't mean to draw attention to you, because I know, I know your heart. I know you're doing it before the Lord. Ralph doesn't care. He doesn't. He's, he, he's God conscious. He's not, doing it for, he's not doing it to impress anybody. He doesn't care. That should be our attitude when, when we bring our praise to God. Okay, we can move on to the next story. There's, an, there's another story. This is a story of the lady with the, al, the alabaster jar. And uh, this is found in Luke chapter 7. And uh, you can go ahead and put it up. Oh, it's up there. Okay. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, and so Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And I I should just say this, you know, Feet back in Jesus' day weren't exactly like the cleanest things, okay? They wore sandals everywhere they went. I'm sure his feet were, you know, pretty dirty, but she didn't care, okay? When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman Kneeling here, near, kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to this woman, your sins are forgiven. This is a powerful story. This is another example of somebody who doesn't care what anybody thinks. She's before her God. 
She knows he's the only way that she's going to be forgiven. I don't know what her sins were, but the Bible says there was a lot of them. I can only imagine she must not have been a very good woman. She realized who God was. She realized that Jesus offered that forgiveness, that there was no other way it would happen. And she said, I'm going to pour out the most expensive thing I have. I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to give it to you, God. I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm bringing it. You know, there's a posture of praise. The posture of praise is surrender. That's it. Give it all you got. He's my God. I don't care what anyone thinks. We have a choice to make. You know, can I tell you this? Praise is a choice. It's a choice. We can choose to praise or we can choose to just go through the motions. It's like everything that Pastor Chris talked about in, in his best year ever. We can, we, we can give. We could just go through the motion of giving. God doesn't care about the songs we sing. He doesn't care about the money we give. God cares about our hearts. And, it, and if when we surrender our hearts and we do it the right way, when we bring our praise to Him, man, we can lift the roof off of this place. I believe that. I believe it can change the atmosphere. I believe that. I believe when we come in next week, we have a decision to make. Can I just, can I just sing with everything that's in me? Or will I just sing the songs like it's just another week and we'll just get through it? It's a choice that we make. You know, my wife and I went down to uh, Georgia last summer. We were there the whole week. And um, earlier, in er, like the early part of the week, I, we, we were at a couple restaurants, and I seen, I seen this thing on the menu. It was shrimp and grits, all right? And I'm like, i got to try that. I had my mind made up. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that before I leave Georgia. And about midway through the week, I got sick. I mean, I, I seriously, I was, it was like a day and a half. I, I could not leave our, our condo. I was like, oh, man, I felt so bad. The kids wanted to go to the beach and all. And I'm like, I can't, guys. I, got, I, can't, get, I can't go away from the bathroom. <laughs> I just, I can't wander. And so by the end of the week, I started to feel better. And, and Friday, our last, our last day there, we went to the Drift Away Cafe in Savannah, Georgia, and, and before I even went there, I had my mind made up because I knew, I knew, I checked the menu and they had shrimp and grits there. I'm like, I'm, my mind is made up. I'm going to try it. We went there. I got it. It was delicious, man. It was so good. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad I got this. And so I say that story to tell you this. God made us with this incredible ability to make choices. We can do that. We can make choices. I can decide. I can decide next week. When I come to church next, next Sunday morning, I'm going to pray. I'm going to have my mind made up already before I get here that I'm going to praise him like I never have before. That's a choice I make. And you guys can make that too. That can be our choice together. Let's do it. Let's press in. Let's get into his presence. Let's worship him like we never have before. And let's see what happens in this place. It'll change the dynamic. It will. It'll change the atmosphere. It'll do it. Would you pray with me this morning?
Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you do for us, God. I just pray, Lord, that you would examine each and every heart that's here right now, myself included, God. Lord, I pray that we would ask ourselves one question. What does my praise look like to you? What does it look like to you, God? Am I doing it with the right heart? Am I really pressing into all that you have and all that you are? And Lord, I pray that as we just ask that question, that we would reflect and that we would make any changes needed, God, that as we gather together as a tribe, Lord, as we, as we come here together, Lord, I pray that praise would be just a preeminent thing, God, that it would be on our hearts to just press in, to see you move, God. Lord, I pray for anyone who's struggling. Lord, I get it. I know it's so hard, Lord, to, to praise you in, in the midst of trials, Lord, in the midst of a famine, spiritual famine, God. It, it is so hard to bring it. But Lord, that's when you come through in the biggest ways. And I pray that we wouldn't fear what people think, God. That we would be God-conscious and not self-conscious. That we would bring praise to you in a way that just brings you glory and honor, God. Lord, I ask this in your precious and holy name, God. And I pray that today we would be different, Lord. We would view praise differently. And we just ask you to do whatever you want to do in us, God. And we just give the remainder of our day to you. We ask you to bless us now. Be with us as we go out into this world, God. Protect us, God. Let us be people who are worshipers. Let people know that we love you. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.